So I really like how whether or not this was a good WrestleMania and who won the prediction series came down to the same thing, and that was if Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship. Uh, I I believe that... So so you're looking at the end result. The real thing is that uh, Chaos is a ladder match. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) The only thing Dylan messaged us all Saturday night... I was I was very not sober for that whole show. <laughs> to fight boys it's a show about professional and not so professional wrestling i am your host the absolute mad lad scotty more i am a survivor <laughs> i have been beaten by this last weekend i have been bloodied i have been bruised i have been defeated and i will rise again i'm blake tanner I am the prediction series champion because chaos is a ladder, and in this case, it's a ladder match. Fuck me, dude! Two time, two time champ. Oh yeah, baby. It's the last time you'll hear. Wrestling has happened. I blew like a. 4-0 lead. I was so (laughs) far ahead, and then I was just like, no, I'm gonna say Kofi won't win. And then, that's what fucked me. You, listen, listen, you bought into how racist is Vince McMahon, which was a solid bet. (laughs) Solid bet, given the last two decades. (laughs) I just, the thought that WWE would give us exactly what we wanted i was like no there's no way they're gonna fuck it up on one of these so i'm just gonna pick this one i haven't felt that way in five years which is probably the last time that everybody got what they wanted and i didn't even know that at the time yeah exactly with the exception of, of brock taker i didn't want that i need like it needed to happen but i i wish it had happened like at 29 yeah that's true Anyway, maybe uh, it was so, something we didn't know, we we didn't want but we needed. No. So should we just start at the beginning of the weekend and work our way forward about like best match, worst match? Oh yeah. Sure. As um, long as 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 long as I get through this like like holds up holds up imaginary school laundry list of things that went wrong Saturday. <laughs> we're all for it. I think it I think that will go pretty easy because I think we can all agree fuck yeah Friday. Fuck yeah, Fuck. Friday. Oh yeah, Hell yeah, fucking, I was at work, like, sitting behind the register, just like, fucking get him, Walter. Get him. Get him, Walter. But that was, as much as I liked Cole Gargano, I felt, I felt like that match played too much into the, if we do a bunch of near falls, and a bunch of obvious Adam Cole's gonna win, and then he kicks out, then the crowd will chant, this is awesome. And that was kind of their through line at one point, which I... I mean, to be fair, they were right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they, they there's only one person that you could get away with doing that in a match, and it is Johnny Gargano, who it, loses at takeovers. With, with, yeah. with Adam Cole being the person, because it's facial... Because it went, it went all the way... It went 360, because it got to the point of, like, God damn it, why won't... But then, like, as it kept going, you're just like, son of a bitch, he's gonna do it! Like, it was so weird. They brought me full circle on him kicking out of shit he shouldn't have kicked out of. After he kicked out of the total elimination, I was just like, bullshit. The point that it's, like, 
Actually, no, the Panama, the Panama City, the Panama Sunrise, that was the fuck-off one, where I was like, no, no, he just hit you with a, a Brent's Rope Destroyer, you get fucked. I get yeah. to the point in a lot of matches where, like, if I don't particularly care about the match, then I just want the person that I predicted to win, win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it got to a point where I was like, oh, no. Johnny, Johnny, I want you to, uh, Johnny, I need you to win. Johnny, hey, Johnny, Johnny, you're going to, yeah. I, I picked Adam Cole, baby, but you're going to need to win this. I started out not liking it. I started out thinking Adam Cole was going to win. Half the audience was chanting really loud for Adam Cole, but then you got him. You got him back, bud. You got them all wanting you. Spoiler alert for my WrestleMania review. I will say the same thing happened to me during Kofi and Bryant, where I was just like, I don't care if I lose the whole year-long prediction series. <laughs> Get it, Kofi. Kofi Mania. See, I like the... I think that I like the tag match the best. I know the ending was a, a bit abrupt, but everything before that, as far as like character work and like psychology within it, and like the the black ricochet dynamic as a tag team. Oh yeah, yeah. So good. Like the bit, like the bit where uh, like Alistair does his fucking like backflip spot, and then like he's sitting there stern face, and then ricochets all smiles and shit. I was like, this is perfect. They, they've said nothing, but I completely understand the dynamic of their tag team. <laughs> I I find it hard to choose between. I mean, really, my three matches, the three matches that we talked about, I find it hard picking one that I liked the best. Yeah. Because it's wrestling, and I get to watch all of those matches again. Yeah. The uh, the Walter um, match edges it out for me, because A, it was a... It was a piece of history. It was the end of, like, one of the the longest reign of the modern era, literally, that will not be topped, probably. It was the end of that. And then also, fucking Walter with that pow- avalanche powerbomb. That wasn't a powerbomb. That was like a fucking... That was like a, a Kevin Nash, like, jackknife. Because, because fucking Pete Dunn landed a good six feet away from Walter. Yeah. And Walter was just like, how can I top this? I know. I'll jump over on top of that motherfucker. He yeah. tossed a motherfucker in midair. And then he decided, oh, you know what? That wasn't enough. I'm going to jump that far again on top of you. Yeah. I don't know if they should have burned uh, him kicking out of the bitter end, though. Because, like, even though I knew the the ending, I was just like, no, that's, that's such a well-protected... Well, not a well-protected, because normally he, like, fucking destroys people's limbs into submission but i was like come on don't do that to don't do that to pete mm-hmm. but yeah don't don't do it to don't do it to sour boy <laughs> but yeah the, the the thing about that power bomb spot is the fact that usually for a power bomb spot you stay firmly between the legs as you go down Walter at one point just starts floating away in midair <laughs> from pete dunn it lands like 50 feet away from him and i'm like Oh, okay, Walter. I don't know if this was planned or not, but it is violently brutal. As he was throwing him and jumping off of the top turnbuckle, he actually forced more of his momentum going forward into Pete Dunn. So Dunn would go further away, thus taking more damage from the impact. And Volta could land a little bit softer, just a little bit away from Dunn. Oh, you're saying that the force of throwing him to the ground was so much yes. that it caused him to lift up. He got a double jump, if you will, thanks to how hard he powerbombed him. Exactly. 
He pushed off against the body of Dunn to get that, to yes. lose a little momentum. Like sacrificing Yoshi in a Mario game. Exactly. Like, Walter killed it. Um, so bef- before we- Dylan l- opens his laundry list, should we discuss the Hall of Fame and Triple H just dunking on AEW for 30 minutes? It was great. Which is, which is really, really... So, you guys ever watch the, the WWE documentary about WCW, WWE? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, one of the main mistakes that everybody brought up was the fact that WWE acknowledged WCW... As their competition, they did those vignettes with Hogan and Randy Savage being real old and all that shit. And I swear to God, it's like no one re- like like watches their own. Yeah, no one remembers. Even though Triple H worked for both of those fucking companies, <laughs> and the fact that one of the crystallizing moments that became like that that added to the downfall of WCW is when WCW acknowledged something happening on Raw. And everyone was like, oh, we're going to check out Raw. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're like, the only uh, one. Like they had to be like, oh, thanks, guys. You got me all this extra publicity on your giant night. Everybody's going to be like, oh, what's this thing? And like a lot of people are like, oh, they're a joke. But there's going to be, even if it's like 10, 15% of your audience that hadn't heard of AEW before and they look at it and like, actually, this looks pretty cool. You've just lost 15% of your own audience. How stupid are you? In my opinion. In my humble opinion, I think Triple H honestly was doing it fully as a joke, and I think he loves AEW just because he's like, finally, something for me to fight against. Finally, something I can ride a tank up to and shoot a missile through. Triple H wants a war. Yeah. Triple H H wants his Vince McMahon moment. Here's the problem, though. Um, What if you lose? Yeah. Yep. And no one's no one's really taking that into consideration. Like like you don't let up on the boot on the neck. That's yep. how you get stabbed. <laughs> I maybe this is the attitude that contributed to me in the year of our Lord 2016 going from oh you, there's no way there's no way that this man is going to be president. There's no way he's going to win the primaries. Oh, he won the primaries. That's fine. He's not going to go in the general election. He's not going to go in the general election. He's losing all the polls. Oh, no. AEW just became the president. (laughs) (laughs) This blonde fucker just became president. Actually, I'd be all right with that. Actually, speaking of, wait, was was the guy that tried to attack Bret, oh, no, who successfully attacked Bret Hart, like Rasta Man, was that... I don't know if it, I don't think it's the same guy, but he's wearing the exact same outfit that the guy who walked out with Seth Rollins wore. But I think I, I don't think it was the same guy because he was uh, also it, identified, and his Twitter is full of like horrible shit towards women. His Twitter is so fucking buck wild, and also Gazi in the chat points out the best part of the weekend and the best move that was delivered, which is Dash Wilder just squaring up, popping the dude in the mouth, and then just fucking pimp walking away. Just like, that's what you get. Yep, bitch. Okay, Ring of Honor. Uh, Yeah, okay, so... Well, hold on. Speaking of people that I never expected to randomly assault people during a match or during a thing, meanwhile, as that's happening to Bret Hart, 
Enzo Amore just shows up at Ring of Honor. No, and- no, no. Hold up, hold up, hold up. That's part of the rant. Hold up. We'll get to it. Well, like, no, I just No, wanna, no, I need I, you to... No, 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 no. It's, it's item six. Hold on. <laughs> I just want to begin with an apology, which is every time Dylan talks shit on ROH, I kind of have like a... No, they're not that bad. They still have like something good. They're still working towards something. And then they're like, Enzo Amore attacks after the match. Nope. I'm firmly on Dylan's side. <laughs> Welcome to the smart side. I, I'm gonna be honest. This is the first time I've seen an ROH pay per view in a long time. That's not just the highlights. Was not feeling it. Okay, go for it, Dylan. All right. So first off, uh, let's talk about the ring at this goddamn Madison Square Garden show with its janky ropes, its fucking like non decorated canvas. Like, just shitty, overall shitty, shitty presentation of this Madison Square Garden show. This is the biggest the, show you've ever run. Ever. Or the biggest and, opportunity you're ever going to get. And you fucking half-assed it. You, you look like you stole the ring from a fucking I like a fucking mid south promotion <laughs> from and high flew spots. it. Yeah, they from got high spots. spots ring. Not from the nineties. Not even a recent ring from the nineties. <laughs> and speaking of presentations, this may skip ahead. The biggest, like I guess, WrestleMania quality entrance was given to a man who lost to three drop kicks, and even then, his entrance looked like he was standing on a cardboard fucking box with rainbows painted on it. That's item number four. You're getting <laughs> ahead of me. Okay, item number one. The Honor Rumble, subsection one. Who the fuck didn't pay for the New Japan People's Music? Wait, is that... Li- I didn't watch the Honor Rumble. Did they not have music? They didn't have fucking Suzuki's music. They didn't have fucking Jushin Thunder Liger's music, and the great goddamn Muda showed up, and they didn't have his music. (laughs) I was literally shaking, mostly over the Suzuki one, because he was number two, and I was like, where the fuck's his music? Where the fuck is his... Where... I was screaming. Was it like replacement... Was it no, like it was shitty generic replacement music. Okay. Uh, so it made it really awkward when he was doing the clapping that was nowhere near the beat of the music, and then he <laughs> walked in the ring like normal, and everyone shouted Kaze Ninare like they're supposed to, but nobody watching knew what the fuck was going on, because that wasn't what they were hearing. <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping you were going to say it was like WXW, I think it was WXW, who back in the day used to have just like a mixtape. And that was what their wrestler's music was. So Suzuki comes out, and you just hear like, "Man, I feel like a woman." Okay, stop what you're doing, cause I'm about to ruin your Suzuki. <laughs> Some sub subsection two, um, the the bulk of the match itself, which was at one point, I swear to God. 12 to 15 fuckers in this ring during this battle royal. Yeah. 12 to fucking 15. They just wouldn't have it. Cheeseburger made it to the last, like, six minutes of this goddamn match. He's 110 pounds. Fun okay? fact, even in the video game, when you get to, like, eight people, the game's like, no, we're not sending anybody else out. Fuck you. We need yeah. to eliminate some people. <laughs> Subsection three, I don't even know why they put the ROH stars in that match. Nobody gave a fuck about them. You could have made an honor rumble about only New Japan people. It would have gone over better. Which brings me to my last point. They had 
the final two, or the final, I'm sorry, the final two of fucking The Great Muda versus Jushin Thunder Liger, supposedly for a shot, a future shot at the ROH Championship. Guaranteed sold out crowd at whatever show you hold that match at. Because there's no one in the U.S. that won't show up for a fucking whoever wins that ROH title versus The Great Muda or fucking Jushin Thunder Liger in his last goddamn year of wrestling. Do you know who won the match? Do you know who won? Kenny fucking King, who was hiding under the ring and then came out of nowhere and tossed out both of those people. That's who they decided. That's how they decided to open the show. They decided to open the show by fucking flipping you off and shitting on your floor. That's how (laughs) ROH started this. Next match, Osprey versus Cobb. Solid. Fantastic. Super tour of the islands. Loved it. Great thing. I'm trying to think of what match number three was. It was kind of a, a up and down card. I think that I think, was Dalton and Rouge. Yeah, Dalton and Rouge, which was, hey, listen, we're uh, we're cut for time, but we said we'd have this match, so we're going to have Dalton lose in next to no time and then turn heel. We're going to have our maybe most over baby face uh, just turn heel because we don't know how to book because we're our ring of honor and delirious can eat shit. <laughs> Turned on the boys. Like, like feuds, guy up and down, late nights, part, all this shit, just out of nowhere. So, like, maybe it'll go somewhere cool. I don't know how you do the party peacock as a heel. He has to either get rid of the, the gimmick that he literally got over on his own or, like, has to completely change it. That's going to suck some dick. Uh, also, we just didn't get a match between two really pretty good competitors. Like, Roosh is pretty good. And then, you know, Dalton Castle is Dalton Castle. It was uh, one of the matches I was most looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, and then after that was the Women of Honor match, right? I got this Oh, no, for... I'm afraid of what you're going to go on about this, because that was not a good match at all. Okay, so, it not, it's not even the match quality, because, like, there was nobody on the Women of Honor roster that you could have had that would have gotten a good match. That sounds really shitty, uh, but it's true. I've I've seen good women's wrestling. Like I've 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 watched. This was not it. Kelly Kelly like not could not with fucking Mayo. Like one of the the last of the three like shining stars of stardom. Like fucking Kyrie and Io, they left. It's just Mayu couldn't couldn't pull out a good match. Couldn't couldn't do it. Also, they had her drop their title at their show. Like like the disrespect that you just showed. Fucking Joshi with that match is unfathomable mm-hmm. to me. Dylan, we still oh. got to talk about WrestleMania. Could you like lightning round? <laughs> sure, you're gonna have to remind me what the matches are. I'm pretty sure the next one's the tag match, right? Um, no, but we could just skip ahead to that because yeah, it's fine. Uh, uh, Tama Tonga is my favorite human being on the planet because he's my suit. After, uh, firstly, after the match, during the press conference, he picks up the ROH title and just whips it across the ring while going, fuck Ring of Honor. (laughs) You can't say he was wrong. That was a good match, though. Fucking PCO died for our sins. Then came back momentarily. Talking about Frankenstein? Yeah, that was a good, that was actually a pretty good match. That ROH shit all over their executives. Their booker said, no, don't have fucking Enzo and Kaz show up afterwards. They're like, no, we're going to do it. going to get us buzz. And then they just pissed off all the New Japan people. And not uh, only that, they did not attack 
the winners of the match. No, they attacked the fucking Briscoes. They also killed the momentum for the next match, Tanahashi versus fucking ZSJ, which is like a match that you need build-up for. You need to, like, talk up because Zack Sabre Jr. wrestles a technical match. It's not going to have a lot of big spots. Still a great match. Like... Ended wonderfully, like good counter, good like good mat wrestling. That was a solid goddamn match. Then you had Naito versus Ibushi, in which I successfully guessed that they were gonna try to kill themselves, and they got so fucking close. At the I point s- when you have trainers immediately after the match is over, icing off both of their necks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me put it this way: I was editing Wrestlepalooza, looking back and forth at the match, and at one point I look over and just. Both of them are on the ground with ice on their necks, and I'm like, what happened? Who died? Everyone. It was glorious. It was a great match. Uh, Then you had the ladder match, which, with the exception of the ending, actually is the best ROH match I've seen in a long time. Everybody really put their all into that. It's just like, it's the wrong person for that moment. Why would you, in your biggest moment... Like, I know they're trying to make new people. Like, they're trying to make new guys in the absence of the elite because, like, you know, they're clearly lagging behind New Japan in this partnership, as you could tell by everything else. Oh, now I remember. There was that three-on-three impromptu fucking hardcore match between Lifeblood and then Bully Ray and, like, some other people. Uh, yeah, which, it was a, which was originally just supposed to be Juice and Bully Ray. Yeah, and then they, they decided Flip needed to be there, which is fine. Whatever. That was just an overly complicated match. That, like, it was just... Yeah. Like that was, and then Mega Ran was there for no reason except to get shit on by the crowd because they didn't want to. They didn't want WrestleMania where like a random artist shows up. Um, See, the thing about that match with me was the fact that like I started off hype as fuck because I'm like flips back. Fuck yes, this is gonna be amazing. And it was the first ever time where hype just died so much that I was like, I'm gonna mute this and go back to editing. I guess. I have to admit that Juice is a charismatic motherfucker because he and Haskins showed up and they were just like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna people up. And if it had just been a squash, I would have been cool with it, but they had a real match and that was unnecessary. Which felt uh, like it dragged on for so fucking long, that match. It was the Triple H Batista of the ROH show. It really was. My favorite part of it, though, was at one point Flip and Juice both had two kendo sticks and were, like, fucking whipping them around, and Haskins just, like, shrugs, like, yeah, this we're doing this. <laughs> Bless oh, yeah, him. The lightsaber battle, you mean? <laughs> yes, I always enjoy a good lightsaber battle, though. Bless Mark Haskins, he puts up with so much. Uh, and then in the main event, uh, you had fucking Switchblade versus Okada. Again, Okada, it was an Okada match, and then Switchblade probably silenced the last of his critics with, like, a, just a solid fucking showing all around. You had, you had everything. You had fucking Okada Redemption, solid match behind it. The the best champion currently working, like, is the champion at the end of the Madison Square Garden show. The main takeaway from this is that Ring of Honor should just kill themselves uh, as a company, not the wrestlers. The wrestlers are all good. They're workers. They're doing the best that they can. But the company itself should just go die in a fire because they're so amateur at this point they make mid-2000s tna look like like late 90s wwe that's I feel how like the okada shitty victory i feel like the okada victory was the only thing that allowed them to be like yeah taven could win because the crowd will boo for a few and then it'll get them more hot to see okada win and i'm like okay 
All right. No, no they could have been you. hyped, and then they could be like, you know what's more hype than this? Getting real hype. Like, you could just double, you could du- You could have more of a good thing. Did you know that? If you have one soda, you can then have another soda. You don't have to drink dog piss to enjoy that soda. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware. That's how that works. Wait, you don't? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, there goes, there goes your diet plans. Yeah. I prefer that mentality because it means, like, if any time it feels like somebody is stifling, like, what could be a great match for a good match, just so another great match happens, then I feel like we're losing. It's a net loss. Yeah, it is. But like I said, I understand their mentality. Oh, we need to build new people. Like, we're not doing great. But that has nothing to do with the stars themselves. That has everything to do with the fact that you can't book your way out of a paper bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If um, Ring of Honor does set itself on fire and die, can they take Sinclair Broadcasting with it? Because they need I- to go away. God, I can only hope. No, uh, if we'd like to, if we'd like to move on to to uh, the Sunday, which I didn't watch, you can talk about freely. Well, so, fun fact: we've talked. Your rant went so long that I'm not going to talk about Patreon.com/slash a load of BS, the website where you can come support the Fight Boys, and of course you get access to our exclusive Discord, uh, shout it on the show of your choice every single week, like that fuckhead Gazi, and access to me and Blake's exclusive show. You paid for this. It's a movie commentary show, kind of like Mystery Science Theater. You just sync us up. We watch bad movies. In fact. We meant to, we might as well do this on air to hype it up. Dylan, would you like to watch Ready to Rumble this in honor of WrestleMania for this month's? Sure. Hell yeah! Fuck yeah! So make sure to donate to get Ready to Rumble with me, Blake, and the Dylan coming soon to patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now before we and get And also be into- glad we're not watching Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery. Yeah, that was the other also, option. Also, that rant le- went long, but uh, that, was my, uh, that was my reward as champion. <laughs> yeah, that was... And, oh, wait. <laughs> I just got a notification and it just said, Sugar Bear just tweeted a photo. Congratulations, Kofi. You've made the Sugar Bear so proud. Okay, uh, that's, that's our Sugar Bear plug. That's... that's that's yeah. is that is that mildly racist to anyone else? Is that now just me? Okay. <laughs> you made Sugar Bear so proud, but... Uh, I mean, Undertaker ain't here because we're talking WrestleMania and not the Raw after because that was just a hot piss fire. He was, except for the sh- except for where Undertaker. That was like the load good five minutes. Yeah, but uh, we do have to say rest in peace because it's over. Dustwatch has ended, but with when one door closes with a Kentucky gentleman who refuses to open it, another one opens, which is why Dylan did propose Tonga Watch. Dong. Uh, so I have I have the whole I have the whole. T- tonga, listen, I just need you to write tonga, verbatim. Tonga, 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 tonga. Watch. Okay. Okay, there we, thank you, friend, to get where you did. Okay. Anyway, I have the whole, I have the whole tweet. Well, I, I do want to begin with since hashtag Dustwatch 2019 is dead. Sorry at sexy Chucky T. It's time for hashtag Tonga Watch. Hey at Tomatonga. Congratulations on your championship match and the success of uh, BC Block Party. Sorry that Ring of Honor decided to ruin your moment by inserting a uh, electrified ferret in his fat friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tom Tonga, congrats on the block on the victory and the hashtag BC block party. 
Sorry, I don't think I'll have enough room. Could it just be sorry at Ring of Honor is the worst? Sorry at Ring of Honor. Oh, I'm tagging him. Mm -hmm. Hashtag please follow us. There you go. See, it starts with begging and then it ends with nagging. Yeah, yeah. I felt bad nagging Chuck so much because I'm like, I feel like Chuck might have some like self-esteem issues and i'm like i don't want to do that to him we only made it four months into that to 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 quote bad luck fale fuck him (laughs) 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 well now it's time to talk about doubling down on this tongue and shit man (laughs) probably biggest show of was it the biggest I mean, it was the longest, yeah. The biggest, time-wise. Yeah. Uh, it was a hefty chungus. Do so, you have a Do you have a match of the night, Blake, of WrestleMania? Dude, because I feel like I had several that could be match of the night, but I realized this earlier today as I was thinking about it and watching clips and stuff, and like, oh, I remember this. This was great. It was drowned out by the sheer length of this seven-hour wrestling show. Yeah, yeah. I assume it was Kofi versus versus Debray was was the match of the night just from what I've seen. Um, no, I believe it was actually Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin was match of the night. Yeah, thanks, but I will I will I will drive to Alabama and break your legs. <laughs> ankle lock. I will ankle lock break both your ankles. Uh, if I want to give an honorable mention, though, Shane versus Miz was fucking phenomenal. Yep. Once again, Shane McMahon overperforms at a at a WrestleMania by literally being like, "No, I'll die. It's okay." Yeah, and he did. And like and I so predicted, did Miz. <laughs> and like I predicted, it was a Miz kind of career defining moment because it was this guy who used to literally take like if someone was doing like a tope suicida, he'd kind of scooch out of the way and pretend to take a bump. Like this guy who was terrified of getting injured for the longest time superplexing a man like 15 feet off of a scaffold and i'm like there it is he did it i I just want i didn't haven't seen much of that match but i just want to thank that match for the for for the photo of mrs dad squaring up that alone worth the whole paper Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i believe we were just screaming at that point like get him george get him mullet man go uh yeah really in terms of match quality, I wasn't blown away by a lot of the matches, but Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan was a clear winner. Yeah, very much so. Can I just say, and I don't know if it was a good match, because it was so fucking long. 24 minutes and 45 seconds? I believe that's how long it was, but Triple H versus yep. Batista... Oh, I'm looking at the times on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. It was the longest match of the night. Um... Kofi Daniel is was one minute shorter. Does, okay. Wait, wait do, does that include his like ungodly long like like granddad entrance? <laughs> that entrance. You mean his dad Max entrance? I was so excited for the Mad Max entrance because I was like, this will look really good if they do it right. Then you see like these fucking like. PS1 level graphics of shitty Mad Max cars. I think they honestly were playing that WWE fucking um, shit. What's the what's the shitty game we talked about on the show? It was the ripoff of Twisted Metal. Yeah, Twisted Metal's the original. The fuck. Um, 
It was it was like a shitty twisted metal ripoff was Triple H's entrance, and even the car didn't look that cool. And I'm like, Trips, that's all you had to do was make a cool car. Just make a cool car, Trips. Yeah, but things happened in that match that I'm like, oh, I didn't think WWE would ever do that. But they've got a this. This was the. This is only Triple H can get away with this stuff. I was gonna say, who's gonna tell Dave Batista and and Paul they can't do that? Who's gonna go up to Dave Batista and be like, hey, listen, I know you're like a like a a multi million dollar like hit movies like franchise actor now, uh, far more successful than any actor. I need you to not do that. Like he would Batista bomb you through catering. That is we exactly also know how this is go. your last match and you're retiring. But don't do that. To- but don't oh, do I, that. I, Listen to us. I know you. I I know you. I know you. Like like made a point and got color like a decade ago and then paid the fines for everyone out of principle. But like, listen to us. Yeah, I, I feel like Randy's also there because Randy did do that screwdriver through Jeff's fucking uh, gauge spot. So I think he also has that we can get brutal thing. I was looking away from the screen. I'm fairly sure I went back and liked every single Dustwatch tweet we ever had just to try to guilt trip Dustin in the last hour, but he didn't fall through. I'm kind of proud of him on that. And then I just look up, and Triple H has a pair of fucking pliers. Yeah. Dude, the pliers are real good. And what, uh, the plier, like, firstly, cracking open the knuckles of old Dave, Davey B, and then. Then reaching down and ripping out the uh, fucking nose rake, and I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. This was the point that one of my favorite calls of the night was made, where Corey Graves just shouts out, that's my boss. (laughs) I love Corey, so I have the the biggest love-hate relationship with... Corey Graves is becoming the Jerry Lawler of our generation, I think. Where it's like, oh, he makes some good calls, but also fuck that guy. Jerry Jerry Lawler, I, I don't think during his tenure with WWF and E, fucked somebody as hot as Carmella. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Just gonna throw that out there. You ain't a big fan of the cat. I see how it is. Uh, uh, did you, but like, since you she, actually she watched, ain't fabulous. <laughs> but like, did you notice the weird thing where like every other match? They just decided to bring in a guest commentator for no apparent reason. Oh, you mean like an ROH? Shit, that was going to be point number 12. <laughs> was how many... They had four announcers. They didn't need it. They could have... Two. Two is all you need. Because yeah. it's like every time there's something Caprice important... Caprice Coleman can suck a dick. He sucks at commentary. I worse than coach. I understand why they would be switching out a lot of commentators because you heard Michael Cole's voice by the end of that fucking thing. Oh yeah, it was rough. But it's like, here's the thing. Here's what you should have done. Alright, and up next is fucking a garbage match you won't remember and joining us is Shawn Michaels. Instead, every single time you had Shawn's music like hit, start playing, go to the ramp like he's gonna come out, and then it just cut to the commentary booth like, I'm over here guys, so it's I forgot that Sean was doing commentary because it's like, and the thing about most of those guest commentators was they didn't really add much to the match. They would just kind of interject. I, I, it's like there were a half a dozen Tibbses on I commentary. See, I, I liked Sean because Sean and Triple H and Batista they got a history that makes sense. Then they just put JBL out there. 
for the fucking one minute Samoa Joe match. And I swear to God, if it went any longer than that, I would have been yep. very upset that I had to listen to JBL. That's what makes me think My that that old, match was originally slated to be Sundays. longer. It's WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's what that's one of the things that makes me think this was probably planned to be longer, and they just either forgot to tell JBL or said fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll get a uh, payday for a minute. And then finally, the main event of the evening, which was violently underwhelming. Never before, I was going to say, never before has has it seemed that a uh, a main event finish was so underwhelming. But then again, I was there at the Orlando WrestleMania, and like no, that's not but- true. That wasn't even underwhelming because it was – that was one that people had stakes in of like Undertaker can't lose. We cannot see – under. and then when he lost, everyone like had this sad moment and it, like Becky after wasn't, the fact – It wasn't even a sad moment. We were just like, man, fuck, fuck WWE. Dude, can we all yeah, – this is our last WrestleMania. Okay, fuck WWE. And we all left collectively just upset except for you because you were wearing your Roman Reigns vest, you fuck. Oh, I was I was absolutely crying because of Undertaker allegedly retiring, and so yep. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. This is bullshit. Meanwhile, at the end of this one, it was just a wait, because like at least that match had a definitive pinfall victory. Yep. Whereas this one, she gets the shoulders up. Like, firstly, apparently that was a Ronda mistake. Yes, but that was the planned finish. Yeah, uh, that's what I was hearing, and. It was... Hey, what's her first main event, guys? What do you want from her? Yeah. She's been wrestling for... The, literally, that was literally one year of wrestling for her. One year to the... Yeah. And that was one point year out, to the week. Yeah. And somebody pointed it out that you realize she's never been pinned. Maybe she's just never learned how to get pinned. That's true. Yeah, yeah, she hasn't. Also, like unintentionally, that does set up that if she, after she has a kid, she does decide to return. To return, she can be like, "Listen, I was never rightfully pinned," and then she can come back and be a monster again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and like, it, it also- has it has benefits. It's just you had to sacrifice the main event of the first women's main event of WrestleMania because you couldn't have Becky just tap someone out. Mm-hmm. Given that all three people tap people out for their finish. Yeah. Yep. It reminded me of the women's Hell in a Cell, the first ever women's Hell in a Cell match. Which oh, God, I think don't was, remind me of that. Was that Charlotte and Becky? Was that what that no, one that was? was? No, that was that was Charlotte and uh, Sasha. Okay, that's what it was. But, see, that was a match where the entire saga of, like, this is the first match, that led me up until that point to be like, Oh, that means this is going to be phenomenal. Like, the first ever Iron Man Woman match was phenomenal. The first ever this was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then, like, halfway through that match, I had this sad realization of, like, oh, no, these can be bad. Oh, no, that does that's not good. (laughs) So here's the thing. Here's the thing. The first of anything in NXT is phenomenal. The first of anything on the main roster is just It's like bland oatmeal, honestly. Like, it's it's there, and you're like, okay, like, this this is food. Yeah, it, it feels like they lose out so much character translating things to the main roster because they try to appeal to such a wider base. It's the fact is they just lose quality because of it. Know, they just overbook things. They're, they're so concerned about making moments instead of like tying up a storyline, which would be a moment. Like think yeah. of, think of if you look at that storyline objectively, how much of an overbooked mess it was, leading to that moment, and that's the ending. Like what the fuck? 
What the actual fuck? <laughs> and then for the next two nights, neither of the losers of the match are seen, and Becky gets hit by a woman who up until this point has been a joke. I enjoy Lacey Evans. I like what she was doing. I knew it was going to lead to this, but I was like, mm, I don't know. Because Raw was rough this week. Like Raw was this, rough. SmackDown was okay. This was probably the worst Raw after Mania in a while, I'd say. That's the rate, and the ratings show it. It's fine. Listen, just cancel your WWE subscription, join me in New Japan World, oh. and enjoy good pay-per-views. I canceled my WWE subscription almost two years ago, and every year at Mania, I go back and it's like, I wonder if this will be the year. Mm, it's not the year this year, because WrestleMania was so fucking long that by the end, by the underwhelming end of the main event... I was already in bed with my eyes closed. I saw the pin. I heard them talking about it. I stayed out just to see Becky celebrate because that's really all I ever wanted. And then I just went to fucking sleep. And meanwhile, my parents pay... I use my parents' WWE Network account, so I'm fucking good. I I am losing no money on this. But I hope I hope uh, the the half of Saturday that you did see was enough to convince you that I'm right. That's all. That's all. You're very right about ROH, one hundred percent. And before we go on to j- the better show, I've never of all doubted time. you about New Japan. By the way, either I've seen some of the best New Japan shows ever, and they were some of the best shows ever. Do, do we do we want a match of the match of the weekend for for each of us before we move on to the JWF? Yeah, we can do match of the weekend. Um. Shit, this is a tough one. Because, like, here's the bad thing I realized about doing a prediction series, is it completely changes the way I watch matches. Because I no longer, like, during that Kofi match, I was like, yes, Kofi, Kofi needs to do it. But I still had that thought of, like, fucking Daniel, Daniel, please win, Daniel. And I'm like, that you're not telling that story to me, then. You're telling that story to the people who need Kofi to win. And I'm like, I know, okay. but that's, that's so much better, because it makes you invested in, the like, the lower-end matches you wouldn't be invested in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I was so fucking invested in Cobb versus Osprey. You have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, this is either the beginning of the beginning or the beginning of the end. <sighs> I am gonna say probably, and I know I talked about it ad infinitum in the first one. I'm gonna say Walter versus um, Pete Dunn was my match of the weekend. Um, I'm gonna say. From a lot of people's, I guess, their whatever perspective, it wasn't the best match, but it was my favorite, and I think it was my favorite story other than Kofi Bryan that was told, and that is the um, Adam Cole-Johnny Gargano match. Yeah. Uh, Big D. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, no, no, after, cause like, I, I have the full back, I had the full backstory going into the, the MSG show. So like the moment of Okada winning and like recaining. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for saying it because if no one said that match, I'd be upset. Cause that was, that was my second match of the weekend. I think. I knew Dylan was going to say it. Oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought for a minute, I was like, no, like, like the story, the layered story of that alone culminating in, you know, like, I am the Rainmaker again. It's just, oh, oh, my heart, beautiful, everything. I'm wearing shorts again. Yeah. 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 Sexy. 
You ever, you ever hear him talk about how, like, he changed back because people were complaining, and he was just like, all right, I guess I need to go back to wearing shorts That's again? Right. <laughs> Literally, it was fan, fan backlash made him fade the man. He had to start shaving his legs again. I bet you... <laughs> yeah. Can I can I just say my favorite moment of the weekend, though, was at the end of the Johnny Gargano match, where the whole time... Like, I was at work watching it. I was going out to get into my car to go home, and I was like, I can't start my car. I have to see him come out. Where he's is right he? behind me, isn't he? Yes, Exactly, and then Gargano just goes, he's right behind me, isn't he? Champa? Yeah, he's there. And then they just turn around and hug, and I'm like, yes! Which is one of those good kayfabe breaking moments that I appreciate. Yes. I like a good, a good, like, kayfabe, it's enough that it's like, we're breaking the fourth wall, but we don't have to tear kayfabe down. Yeah, yeah. I like I like that for the ending, or the after of the War Raiders uh, Black Ricochet match, where like... Like the guys took their NXT out, like Ricochet had tears, and like there was like the show of respect. It was it was almost like a uh, a departure from a Japanese promotion where they like bowed to all sides of the ring and all that shit. It was. It did <laughs> feel very much like that. Yeah. Um. So. Also, Doctor of Thugonomics. Okay, bye. Oh yeah. fuck! How did we forget that? That was that was my match of the weekend. He's from done. Massachusetts. He's not allowed to go back to that state. He showed up in fucking like <laughs> Yankees gear. He can't. <laughs> Literally, you remember that punk bit was like, you are the New York Yankees? Yeah. He is. CM Punk can see the future. Did you know that? You can do that. He literally said that he was um, he was making a heel turn, and he did it. <laughs> he did it. Actually, uh, if I had to pick an MVP of the weekend, it would be fucking Buzzard in a Box Puppet, my <laughs> new favorite wrestler of all time, Buzzard Puppet. <laughs> It, the fucking bird box thing is getting me. It's so, it's my favorite thing of all time. Like, it happened tonight again, and Emily yep. just, like, walks in on me going, Yes! He's here! Puppet Buzzard is here! Has she called and- off the wedding? <laughs> I'm like, you did, you see the, f- did you see the look of concern of, hmm, that's the father of my child? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. It shares his genetics. Maybe we should get some tests done. Well, it's gonna. Your your child is gonna be a buzzard puppet. Yeah. <laughs> this summer, two men save the world from who you ask. Everything invading robo penises. This show is not about those two men. <laughs> This show's just a load of BS. The show where Blake Tanner and Scotty Moore make up dumbass movies like that. We're your personal think tank. We're your two white guys, which fills the quota for a (laughs) podcast, I think. And we're just going to be here to have a good time and talk about sauerkraut. That's right, except no substitutes, ladies and gentlemen, because this is that pure, uncut BS. (laughs) Good, good, uncut. So, boys, we've talked a lot about this weekend of wrestling, but there's one, there's actually two shows that we didn't talk about and I'll say it, they were probably the best of the weekend, and that's JXT TakeOver and Wrestle Palooza. And I guess if we can't talk about them, then I guess we need to let Silver Spoon and Captain Tibbs talk about them, because this is JXT Monday Night War. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to JWF Monday Night War. I am your host, 
Silver Spoon, joined this week by my partner in crime, by the man who invented the greatest pay-per-view on earth, Wrestlepalooza, it's Captain Tibbs. I am here. I'm a family man again. I'm a company man. I am your captain. That's right, Tibbs, and we are on the heels of what was an absolutely fantastic Wrestlepalooza. We saw new champions crowned, new number one contenders, families broke apart, families reunited. It was an emotional roller coaster, Tibbs. What'd you think? Oh, it was a fantastic show. I'm glad it only happens one night a year, though. I still can't... I can't hear my voice. (laughs) That's right, Tibbs, but of course... In addition to all of that, we saw something I don't think we ever thought we'd see in a JWF ring, and that was the BS, the team of Scotty Moore and Blake Tanner violently assault the team of coach and friend to a chorus of boos from the JWF universe. And Tibbs, it was shocking to see what the BS boys did. Uh, I didn't know they had it in themselves. I mean, as a unit, together. They normally kept each other in balance, but this was just all cattywampus. That's right, Tibbs. Horrifying actions that led to them keeping their JWF titles after Scotty took out the referee. Shibata used a steel chair to bash in the heads of Honey Mustard Jenkins. People have called it one of the most a dark spot on the history of the JWF tag titles. And the BS are in the ring right now to respond to those accusations. Let's have a listen. So, all right, uh, look, I, I understand. I, I guess it should be said that there's an apology that needs to be owed after what happened last night during our match. And look, we understand. We woke up this morning to numerous messages, tweets from all of you people saying that what happened during that match was despicable, that it was horrifying, the worst thing to happen to the JWF tag team roster in a very long time and in all honesty Blake and I agree which is why we've come out here tonight because we believe that an apology is in order an apology from each and every single one of you for how you behaved during our match. The lack of respect shown to us during our match. It's absolutely unforgivable. And you know what? I'll be honest. What's bad is I understand you people booing me. I'm used to it. You booed me for nearly all of 2018. I'm a bastard. I get it. But booing Blake Tanner? Booing the man that just a few months ago was your golden boy. The longest reigning JWF champion in history. A first ballot Hall of Famer. That, that's something that I can't abide. Sometimes I look out at everybody and I wonder, I wonder if they think about how much goes on backstage. I wonder if they think about how much I would advocate for you. And how much you would try to warn me. Day in, day out, we talked about what if the crowd turned. Turned on me. Turned on us. Turned on our friendship. Turned on everything that we have built as a unit in this company. And especially 
that one day you would turn and you'd forget who the hell Blake Tanner is. Everything that I'm about, and then you'd start booing me. <laughs> you know, first I, I couldn't accept that. I, I couldn't believe that you, you good, decent, hard-working people out there would be so unfaithful to me. And all it takes is two old, crusty bastards from the 90s to make you turn against us. Last night, last night my eyes were opened. I used to think that wrestlers lived and died by their fans. That the fans were who made us bona fide Hall of Famers, legends in every sort, but you are not. You see, I put so much stock. In the fact that you idiots, that I could forget one simple fact. I, I am Blake Tanner, one of the greatest JWF champions of this era. This man, right here, Scotty Moore, another first ballot Hall of Famer, and we are your BS. The JWF Tag Team Champions, and we did not get here because of you. We got here entirely on our own. And you know, you know what the truly sad part is about all of this? About this whole situation? We could quit any time we wanted to. We could leave this company and go sign with somewhere that our talents are truly appreciated. That what we bring to the table is truly appreciated, but that wouldn't change anything. You people would still be here, turning on the next guy and the next guy, creating this toxic environment where none of us ever think we're good enough because you won't admit just how damn good we are. So me and Blake, we're not leaving. We're leaving you no choice. We're going to be out here every single week doing the same thing we always have. And that's showing you two living legends of this business. And we won't stop until you people admit how wrong you've always been. Until you shower us with the adoration that we've earned until you worship the B.S. Well, Tim, sounds like the B.S. are fired up and they do not seem sorry for what happened last night. It's, it's kind of horrifying to see. I just... I can't believe that they fall so far off the deep end. I get it, Selves. We've all been in there in that place before. But you don't turn on everybody that's made you who you are. That's right, Tibbs, but who knows the BS? They've got some hefty competition coming up. I mean, Coach and Friend are still laying in the woodworks, and in addition to that is the JWF Tag Team Number 1 Contender Tournament that you announced earlier today. All the way to cash in the bag, we're going to be having matches every single week to determine who climbs the ladder, gets to the top, and becomes the number one contender to those boys' titles. And Tibbs, let me tell you something. I think it's an amazing idea. Thank you, Sills. I came up with it in a uh, half-drunken stupor at 2 a.m. last night. We were finishing the after-party for Wrestlepalooza, and I thought, 
Tag teams. Yeah. That's right, Tibbs. I know a lot of people think we have a weak tag team roster, but I think in the next few weeks we're going to show off just how strong that roster is. And speaking of strength, let's talk about the strength of our new JWF champion, Momoa Curry, the man who last night defeated brunch boy Baron Corbin in what was an absolutely hellacious last man standing match. And Tibbs, I couldn't believe it. Still, after so long, uh, it's good to have someone bring an honor back to our World Heavyweight Championship title. And uh, there's no one better, I think, than to do it than Momoa Curry. That's all right, Tibbs. But what of Brunch Boy Baron? How did he re- how did he react to that loss after having that title for so many months? Well, we sent one of our top interviewers backstage to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, Dodd the Dodd McDonald here backstage with the former JWF World Heavyweight Champion, Brunch Boy Baron Corbin. Now, Baron, last night you were defeated by Momoa Curry in a last man standing match, taking your title away, stripping you of the gold, which leads me to ask, what's next for the Brunch Boy? Are we going to expect a rematch at Cash in the Bag, perhaps, and attempt at another title, the captain's title, perhaps? I quit. Wait a minute. What? What? Baron! Baron! Tips, what what in the world? Yes! Finally! Brunch Boy Baron, not usually a man of few words, but those two words may be the last words we hear him speak. Because Brunch Boy Baron Corbin, the champion, has just quit the JWF. This is insane. Let freedom ring. Uh, okay, Tibbs. Well, you, you seem... Freedom pretty... from brunch. Okay, no right. more watered down mimosa. <laughs> all right, Tibbs. Well, uh, it seems like you're happy about that. But let me tell you something. What I'm happy about is our next pay-per-view. Cash in the bag. One of the favorite pay-per-views of the year, which is headlined by the Cash in the Bag match, where six men climb in the ring fighting for that Cash in the Bag briefcase, which contains an opportunity to cash in on the JWF champion whenever you wish for a world championship shot. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite pay-per-view ideas. That's right, Tibbs. But of course, you were telling me earlier today you had some ideas about the pay-per-view, something that's going to really spice it up. So how about this? How about you just go to the ring and let the people know, Tibbs? All right, Sills, but I'll give you, I'll give you a little hint. Chili peppers. Uh, okay, all right, well... Ladies t- and gentlemen, first of all, I just wanted to come out here and thank everybody, every single one of you, in the JWF universe for making this year's Wrestlepalooza one of the greatest, one of the grandest shows of all time. But, as we all know, in this business, we have to keep things moving. The JWF doesn't stop as soon as Wrestlepalooza's over. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, we have to start. We have to start getting in gear to make a Wrestlepalooza next year that's going to top what we did last night. We better ramp things up extreme. We're going to take everything to the next level. Which, of course, begins with our next pay-per-view. Pay-per-view that I always like to bring in to shake things up in the world of the JWF. And that is Cash 
in the bag. But you know, uh, we're, we're still a little bit far off from cash in the bag, aren't we? Uh, I don't know if I can wait that long. All the way to June, July. The summer heat getting you down, waiting for cash in the bag. Now, old Timsey's been thinking. He's been thinking, maybe... Maybe for this year's cash in the bag... It's gonna be next month. And it's gonna be a cash in the bag that is something altogether different. This cash in the bag pay-per-view is gonna be wreathed in gold. Because first of all, it will feature the ending of our tag team tournament. But also, something where every single championship in the JWF is going to be on the line. So you'll see our boys, the BS, in action. Are they going to get what's coming to them? You're going to see Mojo Gruff after what he did last night to the Dylan. But that's not all. Because those champions aren't just going to be fighting for their titles. No. They're going to be fighting for a spot in the cash in the bag ladder match itself. Which this year, it is going to be all champions cash in the bag. It's going to be the JWF Captain Champion versus the JWF Tag Champions. And, well, <clears throat> wait a minute, that's just three people. That's not enough for a ladder match. That's not enough for a ladder match. Mm. Oh, I got it. I guess I'm going to have to go down all the way down to our developmental territories because uh, I've heard a few people here are fans of JXT, the official JWF developmental program and I may just have to call up the JXT tag champs for cash in the bag and of course I'll have to call up this man thing Oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, it's the JXT champion himself, the Jebeduk. The Jebeduk coming out to the JWF. He was, of course, in the Regal Rumble earlier in the year, but he's made his return with championship gold. And Tibbs looks impressed. Wow. Look at you. You are one weird-looking son of a bitch, let me tell you that. You're taller than I thought. Oh, you're going to be so good. Is your mouth stitched shut? We're going to have to work with that. All right, fine. You know something, though? With all this talk of champions, I'm I'm getting a real feeling. I'm getting an an itch. Those good old Tibbs itches. Yeah, it's it's that itch that makes me think that we're going to have to have a, a match right here, right now, because Jeb, Jeb being the guy you are with this title uh, the guy that represents the JXT the unearthly being that you are I, I feel it's only fair to see how this is how you can handle facing off against a, a man who knows how to represent the JWF and that is none other than the god of the sea the god of law the god of non-watered-down mimosas, and the god of the JWF. That is Momoa Curry. Against you, champion versus champion. Oh my god, this is 
is an amazing announcement. We are going to see the JXT champion versus the JWF champion Momoa Curry coming out to the ring. Welcome back to the booth, Tibbs. This is astounding. Uh, I, I knew I had to do it, Silves. So that guy scares me. That's right, Momoa getting in the ring, and oh look, actually Momoa and Jeb shaking hands, a little bit of mutual respect, but wait, Jeb with a huge drop kick, sending Momoa into the corner, the JXT champion taking advantage early before bouncing off the ropes, and a huge splash, Jeb taking control, grabbing a headlock on Momoa, and Tibbs, the Jebaduk is impressing early in this match. You know, Sills, it's almost like he just appears one place and disappears to the next. It's amazing how quickly this thing moves. That's right, but wait a minute. Momoa making his way back to his feet and oh my god! Dumping the Jebaduk to the outside. That was a hard bump. And it, Oh, wait a minute. Looks like Momoa. Momoa getting ready to fly. Bouncing off the ropes and a beautiful tope suicida. Mamma mia! Taking out the Jebaduk. Rolling him back in the ring. Going for that pin. One. Two. Ooh, and Jebaduk kicks out at two. That was impressive, Tibbs. Um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. That's, Just keep me away from it. That's right. Now, l listen, as we see the Jebaduk, we've seen the nerves get the best of him in the past in JXT. Do you think that might be playing into his performance tonight? I don't know, Sills. I, I've seen him. I've seen him choke before, but it doesn't look. It looks like he's in control. Looks like his time being champion has really, really helped the Jebaduk to evolve. That's right, but I don't know how well his evolution's gonna hold up for this as Momoa sets up for the Momoan punch, running towards the Jebaduk, but wait! Jebba grabbing him out of midair and a beautiful STO slamming the body of the new JWF champion to the ground, going for a quick pin. One, two, oh, and Momoa barely kicking out at two, Tibbs. And I think the Jebaduk is firmly in control, Tibbs. It looks like it, I... It's been a long time since I've seen Momoa Curry get manhandled like this out of nowhere. That's right, and Jebaduk calling for the end. That vicious Duke World move. We've seen him win matches with before. What won him the JXT title? But wait! Momoa wisely avoiding it, and there it is! The Momoan punch going for the pin, but wait a minute! Jeb! Jeb was pet playing possum, Tibbs rolling at Momoa. One! Two. Oh! And Tibbs, let me tell you something. I thought that was about to be a major upset right there as Jebaduk got the pin on Momoa. He's a champion for a reason, Sills, even if he is just in developmental. That's right, Jeb making his way back to his feet. Ooh, but a huge boot from Momoa puts him down. And I think the champ getting ready to finish things off. The crowd jumping to their feet. Ooh, and there it is! The Fisherman Spear! One, two, three! And ladies and gentlemen, after an absolutely amazing display from the Jebaduk, it was unfortunately not enough to measure up to the strength of the god of JXT, Momoa Curry. An absolutely amazing match, Tibbs. I'm really glad that we got to see this tonight, Sills, and maybe even got to see a vision of the future. That's right, because if Jeb is still JXT champion by the time Cash in the Bag rolls around, this may not be the last time we see them in a ring, because Jeb could grab the briefcase. He could cash in on Momoa. They could face off once again. And, oh, wait a minute. Actually, it looks like Momoa helping Jeb to his feet and placing the JXT title over his shoulder, holding his hands high, Tim's. These two champions standing tall in the ring, and that is sportsmanship if I've ever seen it.
That's a good, healthy amount of respect. And if Momoa Curry respects you, then you've got to either be extremely talented or extremely terrifying. And I think the Jedmaduk is both. That's right, Tibbs. But of course, who knows what's going to happen next? Whether it be, if you want to find out with the Jebeduk, tune in to JXT on the official Bite Boys YouTube channel. But if you want to find out what happens with Momoa with the number one contenders tag team tournament with all of these favorite superstars, you're going to have to tune in next time to JWF Monday Night War. So, Blakey T, it's been an episode. What did you learn this week, my boy? Um, I learned that for our friend Dylan, who's not here, Chaos is a ladder match. And I learned that that same man can literally take up an entire segment of this show talking about how much he hates Ring of Honor. So Dylan can be found on Twitter at, I guess, Tomatonga now? I can't say Sexy Chuggy T anymore. It's very weird. Oh, no, he's still at Sexy Chucky T. Oh, okay. Well, but Blake, where could they follow fo- follow you on the internet? You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Vidya on YouTube. I'm going to be in a couple of the videos that they did on Resident Evil 2 in a little bit. And uh, you can find me doing stuff. Recovering from five straight days of wrestling. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That's spelled S C O T T Y E M O. Make sure to buy all my books on Amazon, the Quiesel Corp trilogy, BS vs. the Gods. Check that out and check out all the other shows at a load of pure BS.com. And of course, remember to support us, whether that be by donating or picking up merch, but most importantly, by leaving a comment below, subscribing to the brand new Fight Boys YouTube channel, ladies and gentlemen, and of course, leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you are enjoying this podcast and as always you can find us at a load of pure bs.com step up to the merch table at merch.alotofpurebs.com find us on facebook donate to the patreon subscribe on youtube and remember to follow us on twitter at fight boys show tomatonga because when you're a fight boy you're just too sweet